When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Thorpe is coming in gold and a world record. Ian Thorpe, the birth of a legend. 458 is the total, out of which Bradman has made 309 not out. It's a world's record. First ball in Test cricket in England for Shane Warne. And he's done it. He started off with the most beautiful delivery. Australia have got it! Australia is back on the biggest stage. Welcome to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Here's your host, Sam Edmund. to the show. As always, we're here for our friends at Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Well, today we're joined by Western Bulldogs Royalty, a former skipper, the game's record holder and a three times best and fairest winner. Brad Johnson is an AFL Hall of Famer and a great of the game who was six times an All-Australian, including once as captain. Only team success eluded the man who became known as the smiling assassin. Brad, welcome. Thanks for joining us. G'day, Sammy. Thanks for having me on. Well, she's a whopping resume. 364 games from 94 to 2010, 558 goals, Bulldogs team of the century. It goes on and on. When it's read back to you like that, Jono, what, what emotion does it stir inside you? Oh, look, Sammy, it was a, it was a great ride. It really, it really was. Uh, I, 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 I sort of go back to thinking that I, I, I was just sort of wheeled out every week, mate, to be honest oh. with you. <laughs> that's, the, that's the way it sort of, um, it sort of sits in a, in, a, in a joking fashion that I was, I got through really well, Sam. I, I had hardly any sort of injuries along the way that, that held me up. And, um, you know, that's why I certainly feel for the guys that go through certain things throughout their career, because I was, as I said, I was just wheeled out every week, go and stand in the goal square and, and hopefully have a um, an impact for the uh, for the team. So it was a it was a tremendous ride. Honestly, it was um, it was extremely passionate for um, being involved in a in a really sort of you know supportive club. They supported me my whole way through my career, and I absolutely loved every moment of it. And you'd have to be satisfied that you squeezed every last drop out of yourself. I mean that that's how it looked from the outside, anyway. Yeah, definitely. It uh, it was it was it was, and that's and that's probably part of it. You know, I. Um, as I said, I loved every moment. I loved walking through the doors every day and, and working hard, and, and that's certainly something that stayed with me through my whole career. But um, yeah, I got to got to the end, and my Achilles uh, my Achilles got me in the end. And you're right, it was um, it was something where I sit back and you mentioned at the start that the one thing that eluded my my career and and the team was was that premiership. We we made a lot of prelims, but um, you know I sort of sit there, uh, yes disappointed the fact that we didn't get that opportunity as a as a team going through the different stages of, of the footy club but but ultimately we don't sit there 
not knowing that we didn't put absolutely everything into trying to achieve that. So, um, you know, we, we certainly sit a little bit more comfortably with that. Obviously, your Fox footy duties consume a lot of your time now, but also Xena Sport, of course, which you founded with your lovely wife, Donna. And it's the most advanced female impact protection garment on the Australian market for women's footy. So I'm sure that's keeping you busy as well. Oh, it's been great. It honestly has, Sam. We've, we've um, you know, worked really hard the last four or five years to to get it up. We we launched the start of last year and COVID hit with sports stopping. So, but that was that was that was okay in terms of us, in terms of what we're wanted to introduce it to a lot of people last year and, and now this year it's right out there in the in the sporting world. And the good thing is we, we had a footy focus because of um, the participation rates and the amount of, amount of females and girls that are playing footy. But it's, it's playing sport, which is great, all across the country. The numbers, are, the numbers are huge and our vest will add that element of protection to the breast and, um, and ribs that will absorb high impact. Um, it'll absorb even the, the minor contact as well that can happen in sport, whether it's a pure contact sport or collision-based sport. So it's been, it's been great. It's been really well received and uh, we're looking forward to having more of an impact, uh, pardon the pun, in the, in the future as well. So, um, yeah, it's been great fun to be involved in that. Now, just on uh, Donna, Jono, we can't say this about many people, but is it true you met your lovely wife in four-year-old kindergarten, didn't you? And then you went to, to school together. <laughs> I have done some research there. Yes, that's that's very true. Uh, we did we did go to kinder and primary school together. Uh, we didn't go to the same high school. Right. Uh, I went to a uh, boys' college down in Geelong, and and Donna went to uh, Mount St Joe's in Altona, and uh, and then after that uh, through university, we we reconnected. So the two of you grew up in Hoppers Crossing. So you are Western suburbs through and through, and you were a Bulldogs fan as a kid, weren't you? Was Donna as well? No, mad Melbourne, absolutely mad Melbourne. Her her family are uh, huge D D supporters. Her, her two brothers and her dad absolutely love, love the Melbourne Footy Club. So there, you can imagine how they're going at the moment, Sam, with the way they're up up and about. So, but no, we we um, yeah through through the days at, at Hoppers and and growing up and and knowing each other, it was purely sport based in terms of the you know the Hoppers Footy Club and her family was involved down there as down there as well. So we've known, yes, we have known each other for a very long, a very, very long time, of course. And what was a young Brad Johnson into? Oh, look, oh, Sam, just, it was just purely sport. I, I love, I love my athletics. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely love it. I still love it today and love watching it today. It's probably my, my favorite sport outside of, um, outside of footy. So I, I love, love all aspects of, of that. So that was, that was me growing up, little athletics down at Werribee on the grass track. That was uh, that was every weekend for myself. Um, and then I love my basketball as well. So I played um, probably basketball and athletics were the two sports for myself growing up till I was about 13 years of age when I was allowed to f- start playing footy for the first time. Yeah. So is that when footy first entered the picture in your early teens? I always loved it. I always loved watching it. I always loved going. I went to the Witten Oval a lot and stood at you know, out the back at the windsock behind the cheer squad, yeah. um, you know, as on most on most weeks. But I sort of was not not held back at all from, from mum and dad, but certainly, um, you know, I, I probably showed more interest in um, in athletics and, and basketball and really enjoyed those those two sports and um, always sort of had an eye to wanting to, to play footy at some stage. But with what I was doing in those other sports, I was just having a lot a lot of fun with that. So I just stuck with that and it's probably as much as mum and dad could cater for it yeah. at that time as, 
as well with what my brother was into also and um, just made life a little bit easier, I think. You obviously progressed in the game, though. How did you find your way to the Western Jets? Oh, look, I, it was a, I started at Hoppers in under-13s. Under I played under-13s, 14s and 15s for, for Hoppers Crossing. And then from there, I, I went and tried out for Williamstown in their under-19 team um, as a 15-year-old. And look, Sam, I, I needed to get um, to learn to become a little bit tougher around the contest. I was definitely an outside wingman who didn't like too much contact as a, as a youngster. I, I enjoyed playing in the midfield. I loved playing half-forward um, as well. And so I went to I went to Williamstown and tried out. And I, I was lucky enough to, to make their list as a 15-year-old. I don't think they knew my age at the time, to be honest with you. So I got sort of got through that and... That was probably the best thing for me because I played, um, I played a year at, at Williamstown. Um, I played four uh, VFA reserve games towards the end of that year as well, which was um, which was great fun to get that opportunity to play some some you know senior type footy against men as a as a sixteen year old. I turned sixteen and um, I think I kicked one goal seven in my first reserves game for for Williamstown, which didn't get the result, but um, in terms of hitting the scoreboard properly, but got a lot of confidence from playing against. Um, some men, some some hardened men too, back in the day in the in the VFA reserves, and and then I went back and played for the Western Jets the year after that um, as a as a 16 year old turning 17 and playing against kids my own age again. I was extremely confident that I could compete well um, against them, and um, and it was that confidence that you know got me drafted as a 17 year old. So it happened really quickly, Sam. To be honest, yeah. So that 93 national draft, as you mentioned, you're 17. Did you know the dogs were going to take you with pick 11? No, I um, no, I didn't. I spoke to I spoke to Mark Kleiman the night before the draft, and he goes, if, uh, "If we call your name out, do you want to come?" And I said, "Of course, I want to come." And he goes, "Okay, see you later." That that was seriously the conversation we had on the phone. Prior prior to that, we I spoke to a few clubs in the in the lead up to it. We had a lot come to our house and have a cup of tea and a biscuit and um, chat about what they could do. I I honestly thought that um, the Adelaide Crows probably showed the most interest at, at that time. Uh, there was some word around Geelong as well, but but ultimately um, I was pretty happy when the dogs called uh, called my name out. Now, I imagine your head would have been spinning anyway coming into an AFL club environment, but if it wasn't, Jono, it must have been, what, some two weeks into your first season when Terry Wheeler w- was sacked after an 88-point loss to Geelong at Cadinia Park. You must have wondered what you got yourself into. Yeah, look, it was a, it was, it was full on from, from the start, like entering and trying to you know, earn the respect of the, the players and the, the lifts were pretty big back then. So, you know, you, you were sort of right in amongst it, trying to fight at a, at a young age to um, really to earn that respect and show the senior players that you were sort of on the right track to, to um, you know, becoming a, a semi-decent player or at least learning to become that anyway. So, and look, I had a fair bit going on too. I was still studying year 12 in my first year at, at the Bulldogs. So I was travelling to Geelong, going to school and, getting back and getting to training and, and training and then studying and, and all those sort of things. So it was all happening for myself off the field. And, and then, yeah, obviously the, what happened in round two when we went down to Geelong and got, uh, got smashed. And, um, and then from there, obviously, um, you know, the, the changes were made and, and Alan Joyce came in. Yeah. So Alan Joyce replaces him. So two games in your debut, you've had two different coaches and, and Alan <laughs> makes you wait, doesn't he, Jono? So for your debut, it, it comes in round 18, five days after your 18th birthday. It was against Collingwood, no less. 32 point win at the then Western Oval. So Chris Grant kicks three. Ilya Grigic is in the ruck. Leon Cameron's running around. Danny Southern. W- what lives on in the memory from your first game? 
Oh, look, it was it's something you never forget, Sam. And you're right, I, I was made to, to wait and, and in hindsight was a was um, a great decision by, you know, Alan Joyce and, and the other coaches involved in, in that. Um, so it just sort of, you know, built a bit more resilience around the way that um, I had to react in, in certain situations. So it was a great learning curve for, for myself as a as a young as a young player. So to finally get that opportunity, I certainly wanted to um to stay in there. Look, it was it was amazing. It was Tony Shaw's record-breaking game at uh, at the, at the Witten Oval. So you can imagine it was a packed house. There were plenty of Collingwood supporters um, there, and yeah, it was. I played on the wing, and I was lucky enough that the things you remember, you know, Liver giving my first kick in in league footy. I, I kicked it to Luke Beveridge. I think it bounced three times before it got to him, but that was the direction <laughs> it was it was meant to go in. And and then from from there, I played on Mark Fraser on a wing who um, was playing for the Pies at, at the time. But the just the you know the emotion that that runs with it, but the adrenaline that goes through you was um, mm. was huge. And that's something that part of part of playing at, at that level for you know a long time. That that adrenaline of running out uh, with your teammates is something that never disappeared. Yeah, what a privilege. Uh, you're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. Well, Brad Johnson might have had to wait for his AFL debut, but once he got there, he wasn't about to look back. Next, Jono's career takes flight. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, great to have your company on This Is Your Sporting Life, made possible by Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. We're with Western Bulldogs Games record holder, Brad Johnson. Jono, the 1994 season was crazy. So Joyce has taken over, but your new club is still four and six at one stage. And your round 18 debut came amid a period, though, where the club won, I think, nine of 11 to finish seventh and play finals. So after waiting so long to debut, you suddenly find yourself playing in September. Yeah, the right place at the, at the right time, Sam. It was a, it was an exciting, um, you know, period in terms of, you know, having made my debut for the club, which was which was huge. And, um, and I loved it. Um, and then to, to go on and, Finished the season quite well. Uh, learned a lot. I, I played more as a tagger when I first started out. So I'm I'm playing on, and I think it was deliberate too by um, by obviously the coaches to learn aspects of the game from from the very best. So I'm playing on guys like Shane Crawford and um, uh, and Craig Bradley and Peter Matera on a wing for West Coast, and just learning from those guys, trying to stop them having an influence, and learning so much along the way around how how hard you really have to work within game to be successful so there was that that learning that came along and yeah we played finals we we lost our first final to Billy Brownless after the after the siren yes and and then we uh, and then we played Melbourne the following week and uh, got absolutely smashed I think Gary Lyon had 10 goals for three-quarter time so we got uh, we got belted off the park but it was a good finish to the year because from that from that loss in that first final there was about 10 of us that had qualified for the um, the reserves grand final the reserves final so we went back played a prelim against Detroit, won that quite easily and then played North Melbourne in the grand final and won the grand final in the reserves for the club. So it was a it was great fun to, to do that. Played with some of my very closest mates today that um, also played in that reserve reserve grade premiership. So it was 
it was a good time to beat the club. Yeah, he had a great end of that season, didn't you? And I think you kicked two goals, three in that uh, semi-final loss to the to the D's as well. But and you're entrenched now, Jono. So you barely missed another game. In fact, I mean, 2010 was your last year. But looking at it, from '95 to 2009, you you play at least 21 games every season. You, your durability was well was ridiculous, to be honest. Was it good luck, good genes, good management, professionalism? What what was it? Do you think? Oh, it's probably a combination of, of everything, Sam. And look, I got taught some good lessons along the way. 95, I was dropped a couple of times by Joycey um, in terms of my form wasn't up to scratch and um, I had to go back and, and, and learn some lessons. And, and, and the good thing was, I suppose, and, and the lucky part of it was that I was able to get back up into the senior team quite quickly on the back of being um, dropped and, and, uh, and put, to the, put to the reserve. So, yeah, it was, I learned some, some valuable lessons along the way and, um, yeah, it was, it was a bit of everything. I, I did have some, some injuries along the way. I was lucky that they weren't injuries that restricted me um, on, on match day where I couldn't play. Um, mm. I was uncomfortable for a, a, a lot of years, so don't, don't, don't get me wrong there. But, um, but ultimately, I, I was still able to get through quite, uh, quite well. And I had some injuries in the, in the pre-seasons that kept me out of training for, for three to four weeks, but it was just, just the timing of those injuries that um, that allowed that uh, to happen, so it didn't miss any home and away games. So lucky in that sense of when when some of the injuries did um, did occur. I, I never had a soft tissue injury my whole uh, my whole career, so I suppose that helped in terms of being able to train consistently, uh, be out on the track, learning and um, and trying to get better every single session. I wasn't held back because of you know soft tissues and and missing because of a hammy or a quad or or calves or things like that. They were more sort of your your ligament based injuries that I that I did have um, along the way. So yeah, I only had a couple of ops. I had a knee in my first my first year of clean out, and then I had my I had to get my bicep tendon reattached after a after a season where I had a partial tear. Other than that, Sam, it was um, it was a pretty good run. Amazing, amazing. So, John, if '94 was a whirlwind, I, I think '96 might have topped it. Uh, the club endured a horror <laughs> run of losses. Alan Joyce is sacked, and he's replaced by an assistant coach by the name of Terry Wallace. And then, on top of all that, you've got a film crew capturing everything because you and your teammates are about to hit the big screen with the doco, of course, Year of the Dogs. Yeah, it was a, it was a it was a big year. There was a fair bit um, fair bit going on. I was only in my third year of footy. Sam, so I'm sort of sitting there, you know, just in the background, not not saying a word, um, and yeah, just seeing how it all um, unfolded. And yeah, it wasn't a, a great year in terms of our performances that year. Uh, we we just couldn't get going at all. I think we were only able to really beat Fitzroy in in '96 was about uh, about right, I think. And and then from from that year, we had yeah, the film crew follow us around the the whole year and 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 do the doco. We had a change of coach. As well, which was uh, which was highly publicised, and you know we even had I think it was Sean Baxter was was even battling cancer within all of that also. So there was so much going on at the uh, at the footy club in the one year. It was all captured, which was which was good for the fans, but it would have been good if they had have completed a second year in terms of '97 and yeah. um, seeing how quickly things actually can turn around for a footy club um, and how quickly you can go from being you know an, an average team to a, a real competitor. You would play in five preliminary finals, Jono. Now, each of them represent their own different form of heartbreak, I'm sure. And we're not going to go through them all, but 1997 was the first. I mean, you, you lead the Crows by five goals at halftime, 22 points at three-quarter time, but you can't manage a major in the last term. It might have been six behinds, and it's a two-point loss. Did it stay with you for quite some time? 
Uh, yeah, it still does. Like when you when you sort of think around those um, those aspects of kicking six points in the last quarter, that was that was the part that um, probably hurts the most because we did have opportunity to um, to secure a victory against uh, against the Crows. We're we're in control for most of the game, but to their credit, you know they took their opportunities when it when it mattered most. So yeah, to lose to lose that one was was uh, was heartbreaking. Ninety eight, we thought we'd would seek revenge and we couldn't do that. Mm. Uh, Andrew McLeod was just unbelievable in 98, uh, unstoppable as a, as a player. And, um, and they, they destroyed us that one. And, and then, yeah, the other three, oh, eight, nine and 10 was a different journey altogether, uh, Sam, in terms of the, the type of players and makeup that we had in the, in the lineup. And probably of, of those in oh nine was probably the, the one that we, um, that we let slip, but you're playing against unbelievable teams as well that have also had, unbelievable season so you know we got close but unfortunately weren't good enough in the end to um to take that final step yeah it's fine margins isn't it no nine was just a seven yeah. point loss a real low scoring grind to St Kilda of course it was incredibly tense that night just going back to 97 though I think you've always been really strong on this one of those six behinds in the last quarter was Libba's snap of course it was called a behind you've always said it was a goal haven't you yeah, I was in the goal square, and, and my angle has looked like we've had score review. We might have uh, had a different different scenario, but the umpire saw it his way, and um, and that's uh, that's part of history now, mate. We can't we can't uh, we can't change it. I'm sure if Liver didn't think it went through either, he wouldn't be sitting in Brett Montgomery's arms. You yeah. know what I mean, celebrating. So, Gee, the goal um, the goalposts <laughs> weren't much bigger than Liver back in those days either, which didn't help. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So. You know, it must have gone directly over over the top. But we we can't change that now. You know what I mean? That that's how we saw it, and the umpire saw it a different way. And that's just the um, the reality of um, you know the the situation now. And Adelaide went on to win the flag. They they found form at the right time, and and uh, and, and Darren Jarman was unbelievable to watch in that final series. You're with This Is Your Sporting Life, brought to you by Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. Visit tobinbrothers.com.au. We'll be back with Brad Johnson right after this. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. This week's edition of This Is Your Sporting Life. We're chatting with Western Bulldogs Team of the Century member Brad Johnson. Brad, I wanted to ask you about round 21-2000. Now, the 2000 season in itself wasn't much to write home about from a Bulldogs perspective. You knocked out in an elimination final by Brisbane. But to qualify for those finals, you are the only team in the entire season, of course, to beat a rampant Essendon. Now, there is a bit to dissect out of this match, but... Firstly, how did you engineer this result? Because this was a match that was almost ahead of its time tactically, wasn't it? Yeah, and that's where Terry Wallace was seriously amazing in terms of uh, coming up with different ways to motivate us to to believe that we could, you know, be a successful team and and um, and achieve the what was considered the impossible. I, th- I think he called it mission possible, and we had the mission impossible sort of themes um, all all around it. I I remember we. Um, I think we went out to Werribee and, and did our training out at, uh, out, out at Werribee, just working on that complete flood and zone that we were going to produce um, in, that, in that game. But the way, the way Plough coached that game was, he coached it unbelievably right throughout my career. But, um, but that game in particular is a, is a standout in, in essence because we went through three quarters. I remember a quarter time, actually. We, 
we were sort of obviously went in with the flood and just rolled right back and tried to restrict as much scoring as Essendon um, could do. And I, I remember Joe Mercedi and, and Mark McCurry sort of at quarter time walking past going, what are you boys up to today? You know what I mean? It was just something a, a little bit uh, a little bit different that I don't think they expected as a, as a footy club either. And so from there, we, you know, Essendon got on top of us um, at three quarter time. Terry White, we were sort of within striking distance and he goes, okay, let's, let's let it go now. Let's go back to playing the footy that we, we know we can play. He released the flood and, you know, we were able to then start scoring, start running and breaking the lines better. And then we, we got in the hands of, of Granny in the end to kick one of the, um, you know, one of the best goals in, in Bulldogs history, you know, left foot from the boundary, snap around the corner was, was just brilliant to, to get us in front. And no one remembers that Rowan Smith did kick a goal after the, after the siren, but no one, no one worries about that because we're all celebrating. And just the build-up that you mentioned there, going out to Werribee to prepare, was that just to keep the veil of secrecy over the, the game plan? Oh, completely. Yeah, completely. Just to, um, yeah, work on work on things in private and yep. um and obviously um you know scouting has been around for forever in terms of what opposition are doing and what players are on the track and who's who's been injured and all those sort of things have been around so we just disappeared for for the week down to Werribee and did all our training down there and um we're ready to go and we were all pretty set it was a, it was a quick turnaround we had to get things right pretty quickly as you could imagine because it just we had four or five days to prepare for it but when you buy in, you get the group to buy in, then anything's achievable. And um, and we certainly went out and, and executed as well as we possibly could. Oh, did you ever? And so the tactics you employed and the manner in which you played, as you say, particularly in the first half, was seen to have got under Essendon's skin a little bit. And the game is tight just before half time when you are picked off off the ball by John Barnes, the Essendon Ruckman of the time. Now, his shoulder collects your jaw and you're seemingly concussed. Were you knocked out? Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> I don't think so. No, look, trying to think back of it. No, because if I was in a, in that sort of state, then there's no way that I would have um, been able to uh, to come back on uh, in the in the second half. So I was a bit dazed. Uh, got up. There was a bit of a bit of a scuffle going on. I remember uh, Gary Zimmerman had to be <laughs> you gave quite old, physical with me. You to, gave poor old Gary a shove off to to get me uh, just to get me off the ground and, and get me composed. I think that's all I needed. It was more the more the anger of the way that. Um, I was picked off, um, which uh, I'd never really experienced before on a footy field, uh, well and truly, you know, off the ball. So there was there was that, I suppose, aspect of it in terms of uh, what created the, what sparked a little bit of sort of anger in uh, in that. And yeah, by the time half time came around, twenty minutes later, I was uh, well and truly um, all good to go. Yeah, it wouldn't happen now, but as you say, you returned to play in the in the second half. What, was there much said at yeah. half time about that particular incident and your and your place in the game? No, there wasn't. No, the, uh, from what I can sort of remember, it was just, you know, back into what we needed to, to do. I think, um, you know, we when things like that happen, you realise you're probably getting under the guard of the opposition a little bit. So you're more focused on, we're doing things well here. Let's, um, you know, let's, let's keep it going rather than worrying about, you know, whether, you know, we had a scuffle or things yep. like that. They do settle down pretty quickly once you get back into the rooms and you, you refocus into what, uh, what was required for us to, to win because we were doing something that, needed that full mental approach to um, to try and achieve because Essendon were obviously the best the best team going around and 
were in the game. So that was more important than anything else. And as you said, at the end, fast forward to the end, Chris Grant does what Chris Grant does and kicks that great left foot snap to, to win the game. Now, you ran towards Johnny Barnes at the final, Soren, didn't you? And you might have flipped him the bird and given him a few choice words to take home. But it was it was that sort of night. It was an emotional night. Yeah, it was. And and, and I've said this a, a bit, Sam, that it's probably, it's probably the most embarrassing moment of, of my whole career because of the fact that we just achieved something unbelievable. And here I am... Um, you know, going down the other end of the ground to have a word to, to John Barnes. And who knows what could have happened from that. If it was someone different other than Barnes, you know, there, there could have been something more sort of come from that. So when you, when you think of it like that, it was just a, it was a silly, thing to, silly thing to do and should have just hung with my teammates. And I got that feedback straight away. Yeah. Uh, no question from, from um, the senior players and from, um, from Plough as well in around that. And, and they were exactly right. And I totally totally agreed with him. You're right. It was just caught up in the emotion of it. And I learned a lot from, uh, from that night um, as a, as an individual. Look, I, I got reported for hitting Barnsley in the third quarter. We both went to the tribunal and we both copped the, copped the week, um, you know, for, for both incidents. And, mm. uh, and we moved on after that. We tried the flood, I think the following week against Hawthorne and lost. So <laughs> it definitely was a one hit wonder. Don't worry about that, Sam. There was something about Essendon, though, wasn't there? The following year at the same venue, you found yourself in the unfortunate position that was Gary Moorcroft's stepladder. How often do you see this photo, John? I must drive you bananas. <laughs> oh, no. It was, you know what I'm like, Sam, and you know me well enough that, that, I, that I really appreciate unbelievable efforts in the, in the game. Yep. And I've been involved in some that have happened against me, and that was, that was one, and that's one of the best of all time. And I've consistently... Consistently said that I, um, I've always had a joke with Terry Wallace around why he put me in the back pocket to, to start with, uh, which has always, um, which has always been a, a bit of a laugh post post it all. But that he was dominating that day, I was just ahead of my time, Sam. I was playing assertive defence. I was playing in front, um, which which was um, which is a bit uh, a bit unusual, you know. Like uh, I had no idea what I was doing. You to were be stiff with you. I'm you were sti- of, you were yeah, very I'm stiff. I'm standing there and. And it just popped up at the right time, didn't it? Scotty Lucas kicks his only right foot kick in his whole career and he sits it up nicely right on top of my head, which I actually thought at the time, I'm going to mark this. And the next thing, I'm on the ground and I stand up and there's 45,000 people giving him a standing ovation. I went, oh no, what what has just happened? And obviously the replay on the scoreboard came up and I do remember my teammate Ben Harrison actually cheering the mark. He was right behind me. I do remember him him cheering it instead of spoiling it. So, but we've had a good laugh about it now for for you know well over well over ten years or or more twenty years now, um, Sam. So it's uh, yeah, but it, what what a what an effort, honestly. When you look back at it, that. That mark was 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 phenomenal. Yeah, you were all Australian, Jono, an amazing six times, including being named captain in two thousand and six. I mean, where did this rate? This must have been a tremendous honour uh, to be not only in the All Australian team, to be, but to be chosen as the captain. Oh, look, it was it was yeah, it was it was great. It was a and and it always come off the back of you know the team going really well, and that's um, and it might sound a little bit cliched, but it's it's the only way that you can really put your hand up. Um, to, to get those individual honours is when the team is really sort of going well and ticking along collectively, especially in the position of, of playing as a forward. You need the, the defence and the mids to be really, really sort of, you know, getting going and, uh, and playing unbelievable foot, the football themselves to, to provide you with delivery and opportunities consistently. And, um, and that's what we were able to get through those, through those periods that I was um, lucky enough to, um, to be named 
you know, in the All Australian team. And I got to travel with the with the guys a few times and playing state footy or or playing for for Australia were mm. were unbelievable honours and um, and more so from being when I was younger doing that. What I learned from some of the best players, um, you know, around at the time was was huge. My first ever state game, I ruined with Gavin Brown. Like I didn't say a word to him, but um, but there was there was those elements of of being you know having that um, to be able to communicate and 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 hang around with the very best in the game and you know in representing Australia and Ireland, I spent two weeks with Mark Rusciuto as a roommate. So there was things like that that you just sort of um, really appreciate, you know, by having that opportunity to to mingle with the very best in the game, which only helped, you know, your own individual game in itself in terms of preparation and what they do to make themselves the very best. And in that 2006 season, you finished with 467 disposals from 24 games, but incredibly, you also kicked 74 goals to finish runner-up in the Coleman to Brendan Favola. I mean, looking back <laughs> on it all, would you reckon, that, was this the pick of them? Was this your best season? Um. Yeah, in terms of in terms of goal output, um, yeah, def- definitely. Um, it it was something that I never thought I'd I'd sort of get to around that you know seventy eighty goal mark. I never thought I'd ever get that. I thought always thought I'd be around that forty to fifty, you know, a couple goals a game, uh, that sort of level as a as a player. But um, but Rodney Eid was was unbelievable in um, in teaching myself some new ways to go about it. Uh, teach me some some different aspects of the craft that was required as a, as a forward that might assist in, in hitting the scoreboard on a more, more regular basis. So, you know, Rocket was, was unbelievable in the early, early stages because mm. when he took over, you sort of think I was at that age where I probably thought I was at a level that it would see me out for my career, but he took myself and so many of, um, you know, my teammates and, and the club to a level that we um, we didn't think we'd um, we'd get to so quickly. And what was it you had against Geelong, though, John? I think you kicked more goals against them than any other side, including a career. I think you slammed on eight goals against them in their premiership year, round one oh seven. What was it? What what was it? Was it playing against the best that brought out the best? What made you click against the Cats? Oh, I don't, I don't know. Sometimes you just got a team, Sam, that you you go you go pretty well um, against and. You know, they, they had an unbelievable back line. I didn't go that well all the time against them, but I consistently um, was, was okay. Um, Tommy Harley and, and Matty Scarlett were, were unbelievable players. Mm. And, you know, uh, you know, Andrew Mackey as well, I played on a, a fair bit. And they were, they were tough. They were, they were tough competitors. And, and, I, and I liked that. I liked that element of the game. As much as I was out there having a good time, I, I was seriously competitive. So... Um, so yeah, against the Cats, mate, it was just one of those. Maybe because they weren't too far from where I grew up, that I wanted to make sure that I, I did well, and I love playing it. Um, I love playing them at um, at Simmons as well, or um, GMHBA, whatever it is today. I yep. I loved um, love playing on that ground. So I think that that was part of it also. We're talking to Brad Johnson on This Is Your Sporting Life. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. Plenty more still to come with the Western Bulldogs superstar after this. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Have your company here on This Is Your Sporting Life, thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. Brad Johnson is our guest today. Brad, we were speaking about your goal feats before the last break. One thing you had a canny knack with was the soccer goal. In fact, 
You didn't mind a volley, did you? And there was an incredible goal of the year contender. Probably should have been the winner, mind you. Out of midair from a tight angle against the lines at the Gabba with the game on the line. I mean, was this just pure instinct? Oh, uh, it was a lot of luck. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're no room for modesty here, Brad. No room for no, modesty. There, there is. Look, yeah. But you know what I mean? You, you've got to put yourself in the situation, you know, and that's what, um, you know, even um, the most recent aspect of that was Eddie Betts in terms of what he did with his mid-air goal against, against the Bulldogs. And, you know, talking about that, you put yourself in the position and sometimes you just see that, you know, if I grab this, I'm, I'm in trouble. So it's sitting perfectly for you. You, you, you know that in your mind that it's actually sitting nicely to, to, uh, to hit it just as well as what you would if you grabbed it and kicked it anyway. So you throw the boot at it. And, um, and yeah, I was just lucky enough to get the, the right angle on it, Sam. And it is luck to get the right angle on it. You, you know you put yourself in the spot to have a crack, but then you've got to have a little, definitely a lot of luck to, to make sure you hit it, <laughs> hit it in the right direction. Incredible goal, incredible goal. Okay, let's balance it out then, Jono, because there were, if you don't mind me raising this, a couple of shots you had <laughs> after, you the, going there, <laughs> after the siren to win the game. <laughs> Round nine, both years, 08, 09, North Melbourne, Geelong, respectively. I mean, uh, I think I was there live for one of them. I mean, they must have angered you at the time. Oh, look, Sam, I, you, you, you've done this well, haven't you? You build me up with a positive and then you, <laughs> and then you come in with uh, with a couple of, couple of negatives to, to go with it. And look... <laughs> It's, it is every kid's dream, and I had that dream growing up that you know you get the chance after the siren to, to win the game for your, for your club, you you want to take it. And I played it out in the backyard, in the front yard, at Hoppers Crossing many times. Don't worry about that. And I um I hadn't had that chance throughout my whole career, and then two years in a row at exactly the same round, it, it comes about. It was just um it's bizarre when you look back like that. But mm. yeah, against North we had that. It was Boomer Harvey's the, the happiest man um, in Australia because that was his two fiftieth, and um, he was able to celebrate a win. Because of um, because of my miss after the siren that day, and that was you know I just hit it shocking. I looked up, um, didn't handle it well at all, and I've and I've said that um, you know from the moment that it that it happened, and the the year later against the Cats, yeah, it was a it was a harder shot, but one I still should have been able to um, to uh, to get. It was it was closer to the boundary line, but you know that's that's reality, Sam. You got to live with it, and um, and you know I didn't get that opportunity again, to, to try and rectify it um, in terms of a, a goal after the siren. So I missed two big opportunities to, to win for the club. You, you feel that you let so many people down um, post that. Some of, the, some of the letters I received weren't, weren't great either. But that's um, but that's the reality of um, you know the emotion of the game. Just as well you weren't on Twitter at the time, I reckon. But hey, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you mentioned Boomer Harvey's milestone there. What about your three hundredth? It was an incredible game against Adelaide, same venue, Marvel Stadium. You kick five second half goals. You kick three in the last seven minutes, and the doggies get up by three points. This was an amazing afternoon. This must live pretty large in the memory for you. Yeah, it was it was great fun. The, the club were amazing um, through that entire you know, build up to, to the game and the way that they supported myself and the family and, and, and what they, you know, brought forward for the game was, was just something that I'll, that I'll never forget. And then the game itself was, uh, I was a bit quiet early. Um, Sam, I didn't get sort of too much of a, too much of a touch and oh. um, was, was lucky enough in the second half to, to get involved in the game a, a, a little bit more and, and hit the scoreboard, which was great. But we were the same. Like, I got like, We got lucky in that game as well because I think it was Nathan Bock had a shot pretty much after the siren, yeah. after the Adelaide Crows, to, to win it for them. And the last quarter was was unbelievable. We'd get a goal up. They'd, they'd come back. They'd get one goal up. We'd come back and we got a couple up and they kicked too late or they had a shot late to um, to get it within striking distance and then had a shot after the siren themselves to, to try and win the game. So... 
that was a, a game full of um, emotion and I was lucky enough at the end to to come out a winner when quite easily if you had to kick that goal it, it would have gone the other way. No, it's absolutely dream 300th that one dream milestone game. Um, I was obviously marvelling at your durability earlier and you mentioned the Achilles got you in the end. Now the golf cart incident at training. Now it was seen as a comical incident, but I imagine you weren't even close to laughing. Oh, I laugh about it now, <laughs> because it comes up all the all the time. It's actually pretty funny when you uh, when you when you think about it. Who would have thought that you'd miss a month of footy because you got hit by a golf cart on a footy field? So oh. when you think of it like that, it's um, it's pretty funny. But I oh, look at at the time, look, I but I had the Achilles injury from uh, Christmas in the preseason, so I was battling with it in the lead up to Christmas, um, had the Christmas break off, still felt sore, got it right leading into, into round one where it wasn't hundred percent, but it wasn't going to affect what I was, um, what I was trying to do that year. And uh, yeah, after round one, I was just mucking around and, um, and got hit by the golf cart. Although it, it's not, I didn't get hit that hard to be, um, to be perfectly honest with, with you, but there's a little box underneath the golf cart, golf cart at the front and that clipped my Achilles. And once that hit it, um, it just swelled again, and I had to spend the next probably three or four weeks trying to get the swelling back out of it. So it didn't take much, and that probably was in hindsight. If I'd have got a nick during a game, well, the same thing might have happened. Um, might have happened anyway. So yeah, just unlucky at, at that point, mate. And I just battled that Achilles then for, for the rest of the year. Incredible that it was caught on film too. I'm not sure who was filming it. It was Fox, was it? Oh, good old Fox. Yeah, it was, mate. It was Fox. It was Esky. He was there. He was the one who. Uh, who filmed it and, and took it back. There was a little bit going on too, from what I understand, in terms of whether the club didn't really want it shown because, mm. um, you know, of the, you know, trying to hide the injuries and all those sort of things back then. Uh, but, you know, Unsuc- unsuccessfully. It's, it's, fun, it's fun that it's out there, mate. So it's, it's something we, as I said, we, we laugh about a fair bit. You played, obviously, with some of the biggest names in Western Bulldogs or Footscray history. You have a good a, a grasp as well on uh, all the big names that came before you, Jono. So I wanted to ask you where you think yeah. Marcus Bonds and Pelly rates and, and casting forward, which is dangerous, but where you, you think he could rate at the end of it all. Yeah, Sam, I've said that he, he could be the very best by, by the end of it end of it all. He's, he's certainly not there yet. He's in the conversation, no, no question. But, you know, with what Westy did and what, um, what Granny did in terms of what I saw throughout their careers, and um, and and before that, you know, obviously the word around EJ Witten and, and Doug Hawkins and the like, and what these guys were as players were were unbelievable. I saw Hawk a lot, of course, and having played and and lived through um, Granty and and his um, his ability to be the the best leader of all time that I that I experienced, and um, and also with you know Westy seven best and first is unbelievable. When you talk of the bond. He's already got, you know, a couple of all Australians under his belt. He's got a premiership under his under his belt. Um, so by by the end, he could have, you know, five to six best and fairest wins, a couple of premierships, and um, and and probably a couple of those potentially as as captain of the football club. This guy is is unbelievable. I I love his leadership. I love his calmness as well with the way that he goes about um, his footy and and leading the group. So certainly by the end of his career, I've I've really got no doubt that um, that he will. Be probably considered the best, the best bulldog and of you, all time. You mentioned the premiership there, just the 2016 grand final. How did you navigate that day, and and what was more nerve wracking? Was it that day against Sydney, or was it the prelim that the club had obviously failed to get past so many times before? It was, it was, it was both. To be honest, because it was, it was, it was an unbelievable month, Sam. It was a great celebration, and that's where Fox, Fox were brilliant with me uh, that month. They, they basically said, let's, let's ride this, go and enjoy it. You know, what I mean, if they, 
If they win the first final, let's get up. If they win the second, let's let's build this up even more. It was it was great to be a part of. They sent me to every game uh, that they played in, and it was great to um, great to be around that prelim final. I sat with Mitch Hahn uh, for the entire game. The first half were really cool and composed and all that. The second half were both a nervous wreck and and a mess. And at the end of that game, I walked past Peter Gordon, and he went to sort of slap me on the back, and he. He got me in the back of the head and nearly knocked me out. So he was he was up and about, and uh, and the grand final was um, was unbelievable. Like to to experience it and and um, have the whole family there and, and experience it with um, with the Donna and the kids was was huge. And we um, yeah, for, and I I judged the Norm Smith that day, Sam. So towards the end, I was. I was a bit all over the shop because, you know, we're going to win our first flag in such a long time. I had to put some votes in um, as, as, as well. So it was, it was, it was all happening, but it was, it was just absolutely amazing. What an amazing game. What an amazing month of football. And for for me, it was more probably that second quarter against Hawthorne in the second final, Sam, that Mm. we were 20 odd points down and let it, then Bond turned it on and we let it half time. And I knew from that point that we were a serious chance to, probably take out the flag because of, you know, the way we were then competing against the very best team in the modern era in the Hawks. Great final series, wasn't it? Looking back, it was almost destiny when you, when you think about it all. Before we let you go, Jono, do you have a similar vibe about this year's group? What level of optimism do you have about what you're seeing about the 2021 version of your old club? Yeah, Sam, they're, they're, they're awesome to, to watch. Um, and they, they have been for, for quite some time. But when you look at the footy club, um, we won the flag from seventh. We've never been a top four, four team under under Bebo, and I think that that's been the the thing for myself. How do, how does this club take the step um, under his guidance to become a top four team in the competition? They've got the list to do it. He's an unbelievable coach that can certainly do it. But how are they going to to jump a few to become you know that type of club again? And this year they're they're proving that they will be a, a top four team. They could be a top four team for for some years to come. So. As we know, Sam, when you put yourself in that position and you're consistently getting yourself in the top four, the double chance, prelim finals, then you will take that next step. And a lot of the guys have experienced that that next step, which um, and the club has in recent time, which I think helped when they do um, eventually make some prelim finals again. And, and, you know, if it doesn't happen this year, they hopefully will be a top four team this year and give themselves a real crack. But I think consistently over the next few years, they're going to be in a really good sweet spot to to have another crack at it. Brad Johnson, it's been an absolute pleasure to catch up today. Gee whiz, you're a superstar. And while the resume more than speaks for itself, the fact that you performed so very highly over such a long period of time so consistently makes you a very rare talent indeed. Well done on all you achieved and, and thanks a lot for joining us. Awesome, Sam. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much, mate. And thank you for joining us. Also, you've been listening to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, Celebrating Lives. Jump online to find tobinbrothers.com.au and we'll catch you the next time we celebrate the life of another sporting icon. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.